Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. When it's time for businesses to remodel their offices, what happens to all of the old furniture and textiles? Usually, they're sent to a landfill to rot or be incinerated. Of course, that is not good for the planet. The ultimate goal to create a long-lasting, healthy environment is to create a circular economy where things that are no longer needed can be reused or recycled to be used in new ways or by a different person. That's exactly what our guest today is facilitating with her business. But before we get too deep into that, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcast and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down to the review area and I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review. So go ahead and do it. It really helps us with getting more people to discover the show. Today's review comes from Terry Kozlowski, titled, Love the Sustainable Topic. Great advice for helping us all be more mindful of our impact on the planet, not just what we put in or on our bodies. Thank you so much for that review, Terry. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will feature it in an upcoming episode. If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. I love seeing what everyone's up to, their sustainable swaps, their outfit inspo. So I love sharing that on Instagram. Also, if you didn't know, we record the video from almost all of our podcast interviews. So if you want to see the full video versions, Head over to the Sustainable Brown Girl YouTube channel and subscribe. Sometimes our guests will show something to the camera that you obviously can't see if you're just listening to the audio. And it's so much fun to be able to see all of these Sustainable Brown Girls live. A link to the video for this episode is in the show notes. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is May Al-Karuni, a Middle Eastern woman living in the UK. She is the founder of Globechain, the biggest ESG reuse marketplace worldwide. On a mission to divert 100 million tons of waste from landfill by 2025, Globechain is helping businesses become leaders in the circular economy through reuse. Thank you so much for joining us today, May. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us how your sustainable journey began. 
Gosh, yeah. Well, um, I didn't kind of like wake up and think I want to work in waste, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, But um, it started off, actually, I used to work for an investment bank and um, we moved offices across the road. So we kept the buildings, but just uh, we were expanding. And um, all the facilities guys were coming and saying, you know, pick your own table, chair, carpet tile, you know, blue or blue. And and I just thought this is crazy. Like all the furniture was in perfectly good condition. And um, I just thought, why aren't you giving it away to nonprofits or businesses or people that needed it? And, you know, at the time, kind of sustainability wasn't really a word. Um, reuse for sure wasn't there. And, um, you know, circular economy, as we know, it wasn't there as well. So um, so I just thought, why is no one digitalized waste? and connected enterprises to nonprofits and small businesses and people to reuse and redistribute unneeded items and generate impact through, through giving. And that's really how it started. And um, very naively, I thought, let me do a side hustle and um, and paid for a web agency to, to build my first uh, marketplace site and what I thought would it look would it look like. And um, and I just sent a couple of emails and we had at the time it was the largest retailer in the UK um, test with us and, you know, got a meeting. And I said, look, have you got a problem with fixtures? Do you know what you do with them? And, um, you know, you know, what people don't know is people dispose of and incinerate a lot of products because uh, distribution, time, warehousing, logistics, it's all expensive. So I just thought that was kind of commercial madness and uh, set it up in that way. And kind of the rest is history. They basically said, well, we don't have an issue with furniture, but we have an issue with fixtures and fittings. And I was like, what? And I thought, who wants fixtures and fittings and mannequins? And I thought, well, like thrift stores, boutique shops. And I started building up a network of those types of um, members, if you like. And um, anyway, we started redistributing 100% through reuse. And um, I started calculating something called ESG data on the impact. Um, it's environment and social governance data, which um, some of your listeners may know. It's quite big now on ESG because ESG is used for credit financing, IPO, bond risk, as well as kind of sustainability reporting and tax offsetting. So it's become super important to have a good ESG ratings. Wow. Wow. I love that you kind of took your, this kind of annoying thing that happened with your business, you know, with your job and turned it into something that can really help people. That's amazing. Yeah. So how, how has it been, um, you know, like growing globe chain and how do you tell people, you know, get, get more people on board with it? Yeah, um, super challenging. So don't think kind of marketplaces are like overnight successes. You know, this is like six and a half, seven years in the making from kind of idea stage. And, um, you know, when I say naively decided to do something, it was was very much that, Uh, you know, I, I decided to do a marketplace, which is one of the most difficult things to, to kick off. Um, I decided to do a new economy that didn't exist yet. And, and uh, as you're aware, you know, brown girls, ethnic minority, I'm a sole female founder. All those were like challenges upon challenges. So uh, I was pretty stupid <laughs> to do it, really. Um, but I'm um, just stubborn at the same time. And I, I had a gut 
feeling, you know, that this is going to work. And I was listening to the enterprises and the corporates and, you know, something was bubbling. So, um, so when I first started, it was very manual building up like demand and supply, um, physically like picking up the phone, meeting all the NGOs and nonprofits, understanding kind of what items they were looking for, then going out and speaking to clients and seeing if the items would match. And, you know, the system was very manual at the beginning, you know, I'd watch every transaction to see if it worked. And, um, for four years, I actually uh, bootstrapped it because um, I, I, another naivety, I thought, oh, I can get some venture capital funding and go to investors for this. And this was the time when angel investors didn't really um, exist or as accessible as they are now. You know, now you can go on Twitter and follow and message them. You know, there mm-hmm. kind of wasn't that around when I was around. You had to kind of know these kind of like privileged individuals. So, um, so basically, I um, went to a VC and they said, you know, what's your market cap? And I just, I, I kind of like was quiet because there wasn't one. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> exist. So yeah. that's kind of where the ESG kind of played in because I'm like, I'm going to show you there's a market cap, you know, and, and they said, come back when you've got two paying clients. And I thought, I'm not going to come back for 150,000, you know, when I've got two paying clients, I'm going to, going to do it. So four years of literally trial and error, modeling the business model, modeling the pricing, working out how much people would pay for a service like this. Um, you know, we went through a number of iterations, a number of different versions of the website upgrades. And then um, year four, um, lo and behold, uh, a lot of management consultants put out studies on something called the circular economy. And it just happened to be a $4.3 trillion industry at the time. Wow. So basically just cut that out of the report, <laughs> stuck it in my pitch deck, and then went for VC funding. But by then we were generating revenue. So a very kind of like different scenario of like really hard work with no money and doing things for free for quite a few years. And then year three, year four, we started generating a little bit of revenue. So um, at that point, you know, I'm really lucky to get um, investors that kind of like really believed in the vision. And, and kind of understood where I was coming from with the business model. So um, year four, um, I raised, uh, well, at that time, that was a seed round, but now it's like pre-seed money in UK terms, but it was just under a million um, dollars. Nice. And I was one of the only female founders, never mind ethnic minority, to raise over right. half a million in the UK. Uh, wow. Um, at the time, yeah, I don't think it's got that much better. It's like 1.7% now from covid but um but it was quite an achievement and then from there obviously built the team we're in uk spain new york and texas um and then actually we um created an internal version of the system because a lot of companies wanted it globally so we have what's almost like an asset inventory system so it's a reuse marketplace privately for companies within their supply chain to reuse and loan assets and products and then you can press a button and if we have an external network you can give it to the nonprofits and the the businesses that way wow that's really interesting so are you mainly doing like business to business transactions or is it like business to consumer it's both so we started off business to business or business to nonprofit um, business to charity in, in that sense and then um, you know we got a, more individuals on board and the individuals can take the stuff from the businesses if they allow it as well so so we, we've got kind of two uh, b2b and b2c but i'd say definitely we're b2b predominantly at the moment um, we've got ideas on how to engage kind of consumers later down the line you know with retailers and things like that so um, that's going to be quite exciting to to do but 
uh, we're seeing quite a big growth on the individual side because, you know, circular economy, sustainability has become super mainstream now. So people understand it and the behavior change is not as difficult as I'd say it was three or four years ago. Yes, exactly. You know, when I was looking at your website and kind of you know going through your Instagram and stuff, and I'm like, this reminds me, it's, it's like a larger version of a buy nothing group on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it, I, I always describe it as like a free eBay for business. So we don't sell products, we give them away for free and generate social impact on where the items go. So, you know, like, but we're talking like 20,000 carpet tiles from a construction project, like go to rebuild a school or an orphanage or help refugees in in refugee camp, you know, office furniture might go and help a youth center. Um, In Texas, we did a lot after the hurricane a couple of years ago. So a lot of small businesses and individuals required just very basic furniture. So we do everything from mannequins, fixtures, obsolete products from e-commerce, all the way through to really big volumes of like bricks, construction material. And then we've got like hotel products, which are really cool as well. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. So um, do these companies like they come and list on your website and then how do people who need these items find it? Like for example, yeah. with the people who needed things from the hurricane, I'm sure yeah. they weren't already on globe chain. So how do you connect them? Yeah. So we, um, we do a lot of marketing, digital marketing and work with a lot of partnership networks and, um, you know, we do do sourcing as well. So we look at like some of the products when we start in a new region and we go, okay, around like hyperlocal area, who is there that that would be interested in those items? And, you know, we've got the benefit of having a very strong network in the UK of 10,000 members. And we have um, charities in Africa that redistribute from the UK there. So, so you know, some of these nonprofits are global. So you, we get to understand the behaviours and what they want. Um, so we find them, we engage in them, we tell them it is free and there's no catch. Like we did some uh, products from a luxury retailer that I can't name in New York. There was over a thousand products and oh my God, they were amazing, amazing wow. sofas, ch- glass chess sets, like American diner sets. And the um, the members couldn't believe it when we reached out. We were like, they're for free. <laughs> we wow. can't tell you who they're from, but they're for free. Like go to this warehouse and pick them up. And then when they realized who they were, they were like, oh my God, um, on that side. So, and, and that's really satisfying, right? So once that happens, mm-hmm you know, people talk to other people in the community or if they see something on the site and they go, do you know what, that school that my kid work, you know, um, goes studies in, they could really do with those laptops or their computers. And then it just builds up like that word of mouth. Um, Companies, we tend to kind of go and sell to them. But um, for sure, what we've noticed recently is people hear about us through, um, you know, kind of LinkedIn and, you know, I, I guess like how, how, how we do lead generation. And, um, and then, you know, companies will talk to companies because people are looking for solutions around reuse and ways to um, redistribute perfectly good materials and assets, really. Yes, yes. So when these companies um, sign up, is it, are they looking, I guess they feel like, you know, they have great products like that, um, the company that you were just saying about yeah. had the really amazing products and they're like, well, they don't want them to go to waste. Right. Cause yeah. yeah. So, so then they look for a, you know, um, 
your business, Globe Chain, to kind of find a way to distribute it without just sending it to landfill or incinerating it. Have you noticed that businesses are becoming more conscious about their waste? Yes. So um, a couple of years ago, this luxury retailer might not have never given away their free stuff, right? Especially if it's branded. Like we have a lot of beauty uh, brands that for sure would not have you know, giving you the stuff with their branded um, brands on it. But, um, you know, I think things have changed. And, you know, with social, I, I think, you know, generation, um, generation Z, millenniums, you know, these are kind of the new uh, power players, if you like, you know, they've got money to spend, but they actually care that they've got, <laughs> they've got values, integrity, they've got ethics, you know, and ultimately, you know, they are the ones that have been pushing these businesses, you know, don't, don't wear fur, don't do this, you know, is it vegan? Um, how, are you, how have you sourced your chocolate co- cocoa beans? You know, like, and I think, you know, definitely it's putting those brands under pressure because you're not going to buy from them if it doesn't align with what you consider as your value. Um, you know, that, that brand's reputation, ultimately their profit will go down. So they've had to pay attention to things um, over the years. And, and I would say if we'd approached those kind of companies before, First of all, they wouldn't really have understood our business model. There would have been a lot mm-hmm. of fear around their brand, you know, and a journalist finding it dumped in a dumpster and, you know, things like that. But that's happening anyway. You know, it's a bit like the white elephant. It was like, you know, um, online e-commerce returns before COVID was 60%. So 60% of what you return thinking it's going to be resold gets burnt because they don't have warehouse space. Logistics is a nightmare, you know, and, and you know, if you're the biggest e-commerce companies in the world, who are you going to sell to when everyone comes to you anyway? So, right. so there's a mind shift there and obviously pressure from analysts, banking, um, government legislation, the UN. So all those kind of drivers play into kind of like the movement, right? It's like a subtle kind of like a wave, if you like, that's that's growing. Um, but I think definitely like now it's not an issue of like, what if? It's like, if you don't do it, you could go bankrupt. So I don't, you know, I don't think those those questions don't come up as much as, as a major concern anymore. Right, right. So uh, aside from donating, um, you know, leftover product and what, what not, how can businesses be more conscious about their waste? Yeah, I think um, and it's waste is actually quite complex because you've got different types, right? So, so like your hazardous, your electronic waste has to be, you know, disposed of in a particular way. But, you know, I think companies that are producing products can redesign things better, can source better materials, sustainable materials, modular materials. So, you know, if you're building a new block of apartments, you know, can you make it like a jigsaw (laughs) where certain, you know, after 10 years of the life cycle of a building, rather than demolishing it because it's cheaper, right, to demolish buildings than kind of refurb them, um, um, can you dismantle them and still have them in good quality, for somebody else to use it, maybe not in the same high rise apartments, but maybe for a school or, you know, like an allotment or a small garage or something like that. So that's, that's where it's going. And I think it needs a team of people to collaborate, you know, it's quite complex. Um, You know, so you need designers, architects, uh, product designers, you know, the amount of kind of like these food, food delivery services at 15 minutes, you know, let them think about like, the emissions on their their bikes right like some of them are on bicycles which is great some of them are on bikes you know uber i remember started off you know on electric vehicles but now any anyone's 
can use any vehicle on it. So I think um, there needs to be those questions at the beginning when you're building a business, the foundations should should be sustainable as much as you can um, within your kind of budget. And um, you should have a plan to, to move it forwards. The businesses that already exist, it's more complicated, but, you know, they do have resources and they have to take a risk at some point and, and, and try and work a different business model, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree that when you're starting your business, that's the best time to think yeah. about how you're going to be sustainable. But it's not impossible to, you know, shift your your focus when you're already established. Yeah. Um, and we probably should have talked about this at the beginning, but how would you define what a circular economy is? Yeah, that's true. So this is like, the you know, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> but um, the way I say it is businesses at the moment, when you look at any type of sector, manufacturing, pr- production, they start off with, say, mining the materials. The materials then become something in a factory. Then it gets packaged up. Then it gets transported somewhere. And then it gets sold. And then when you're finished with it, you dump it. Right. So that's linear. It's a straight line. It's like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. In between all those stages, things um, there are materials and aspects of that process that is waste. Right. So when you're cutting some wood to make a table, you've got the excess wood of that. And normally what they do is they tread it. They might burn it or whatever. Circular is imagining a circle, a loop system where everything that you potentially would have disposed of or is not that sustainable would come into your model, into the system. And there's there's multiple different ways. And the best um, diagram is from um, a think tank called Ellen MacArthur Foundation. They are in the States that, you know, they're the ones that really um, coined the term um, after seeing all the plastic in the in the sea. And, and that's probably the easiest way I can say to you, it's like at every stage, how can you make that a better, more sustainable product? You know, whether that's you mining the resource differently or can you urban mine it, you know, because we might have it already in the ether. Can it be recycled and then, all the waste from the bits that you're not using, can you bring that into maybe use as energy to power the plant, you know, and use solar panels? And so it's really complicated. And um, I'd say, you know, we're a good probably 10 years off from truly, you know, circular business models, but we've got to start somewhere. And each sector will be very different with how they approach that. Yes, circular economy has really become more we hear it a little bit more often, but, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm in a sustainability bubble. Yeah, it's sustainability, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I get a shock when somebody goes, oh, it's circular economy business. I'm like, what? How do you know that? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's definitely gaining popularity, you know, yeah. and like you were saying earlier with, um, you know, people kind of pressing companies to be more conscious about yeah. the impact that they're having. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, that is in essence pushing the circular economy agenda. You know, you might not know it, but you know, everyone's got to start somewhere with it. So, so we'll get there. But and people, there are people that are specialists and they're looking at it in great detail. But it's highly complex. But it does need, you know, businesses need to. They do need to do it. Yes, absolutely. So what what's next for Globe Chain? What are your plans with growing it and getting the word out? 
Yeah, well, um, we decided a couple of years ago, our team, it's like, go big or go home. <laughs> There's no point, you know, with all the challenges, we just thought, you know, we've got to just go for it. So um, really now we're focused on um, the States. So obviously I've not been able to travel over up to Christmas, but um, I'm actually, um, I'll be heavily traveling and probably living more in New York to, to build the um, East and West Coast. So we want to really achieve it in the next three years, a truly global um, globe chain, right? So lo- localized supply chain and global supply chain. So ultimately, you can connect your transport, freight, cargo, um, and optimize everything. Um, and also, you know, world with no waste. Like if we can, if we can help help enable companies and nonprofits and people gain value, um, that's what we'd really love to do. We've got we've got a strap line of like commercial with a conscience. So we believe every business is going to operate like for profit, but it's no longer just, oh, we have this charitable philanthropic arm at the side that we pump money in. It's going to have to be embedded in, in your modeling. Um, and also like a new life from wanted stuff, right? There's a play on words there. It's not just about, you know, that table or that bench um, that you gave away. It's not just a table for somebody that could be a new life for them in the sense of they might be able to like a single parent, you know, feeds the family around it and it's saved, you know, a couple of thousand pounds on, on, on furniture for their home that they couldn't afford or, or, or blankets, you know, for refugees or, you know, something like that. So it could, what you think is just like a first world problem, you know, you've got a table that you don't want or a chair or a piece of clothing to somebody else that could be, you know, or, or without being dramatic, like life and death for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the byproduct is helping the environment, obviously. So you're doing it almost like effortlessly, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it it seems like it makes it, you know, so much easier to connect people to things that they need. Um, So when someone gets something from GlobeChain, um, is it just like local or can you get something and like ship it to, you know, across the country? Or yeah, you can world? if you want to. A lot of people don't um, just yeah. being from the carbon side and the mission side. And, and also, you know, we haven't gone the whole of like US yet, but probably when your whole of US is on board, uh, you could probably use like couriers that are getting empty from state to state that pick up things for you. So that would make sense because you're utilizing empty cargo and haulage. Um, and things like that. So that's the ultimate goal for us. But um, the place where we do have, we have charities in Western Africa, Poland, Libya, Ukraine, and um, Lebanon. And um, usually like disaster recovery, they usually go to uh, healthcare, medical hospitals, because we do medical equipment as well. Um, But um, those people have representatives in say the UK, and they will request, they will pick it up and they will put it into a big container. And then when that container's full, they'll ship it over. And when we've asked them why they take certain things, obviously the medical equipment is very different. So medical equipment from the US might go to like Latin America or, so, or somewhere like that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the reason is because usually the distribution is not there or it's super, super expensive and they can't get it. So um, there are reasons why there's a shipping. A lot of people are quite critical of that kind of overseas shipping. But my argument is, look, medical equipment here in the NHS costs them millions to incinerate. It's like perfectly good x-ray wow. machines, solutions, you know, um, patient beds. These are like 
$10,000 a piece, you know, and they bin them after because it's to do with audits, compliance policy, they have to remove it so they don't get contaminated. They're not contaminated. But you know, someone's done a study and they say six months is the longest you can hold this equipment before it kind of deteriorates. Um, but that's a legislation and policy thing where it's perfectly good for somebody else, you know, somewhere else. And, you know, I remember we used to um, get videos of the, when it was Ebola crisis in like in Western Africa. They used to send the um, machinery and furniture to um, really rural areas and hospitals. And you just saw like the videos of like the nurses and doctors crying. And, you know, that kind of touches you because you yeah. don't see it. You know, you're like we're working as a business. and But, you know, humans at the end of the day, there's empathy. And like when you realize how grateful people are and what was it to you? You were about to put that in the dumpster or put it into an incineration, get pay somebody to just take it away and break it up. I mean, it's like almost mm. criminal in that sense. Definitely. So have you noticed a, a trend within Globe Chain for things that you see a lot of? Or yeah. is there a trend with maybe things that people may need? Yeah, so um, strangely, wooden chairs, tables are very much top of the list with lockers um and and kind of cabinets and things like that for the home and then we've got some really strange items like windows actual physical windows are very popular people take like we had 135 windows the other day and someone took them you know Uh, fire doors very expensive so people them and a lot of construction material um, timber marble people absolutely go mad for uh, kitchens so we give away a lot of like kitchens and units and um, obviously laptops, mobile phones that get given away, like people go crazy. <laughs> that's yeah, that's like requested in five minutes. An alert goes out in five minutes. Uh, normally things take like 20 minutes after alert, but we say give it 24 hours and uh, people have requested bulk and carpet tiles, as I mentioned, you wouldn't believe how many people, you know, the square Carpets you see in the commercial properties, people grab them because they're very sturdy and um, they're quite expensive and um, they don't wear out too quickly. So very useful for people to to lay themselves if they've you know run out of money and things like that. So I'd say they're the, the most kind of like sought after and when people go crazy on the site for them. And then we've had really unusual things like a gazebo. Um, some uh, school took it for the garden. We've had an air bridge, so you know when you go to the airport and you walk on those bridges to get on the plane. Yeah. So uh, we've had an airport giveaway one of those. Uh, yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> like, like I was like, I had to Google. I'm like, what's an air bridge? It's the it's the tunnel, the metal tunnel that looks like a, an accordion. <laughs> um, wow. And that went to a guy who buys plane parts and converts them into hotel rooms. So, um, wow. yeah, I know it just shows you like how innovative people have some great ideas. And then we do yeah. like retail fixtures, right? Like mannequins, they go to fashion students, um, mm-hmm. architects, that kind of thing. So really, really diverse. And we did a fuel cell once. So this is like a big energy machine and a university wow. uh, took it. Uh, yeah, it's like a two million pound piece of kit basically whoa yeah for free like <laughs> that's incredible we've had a car on there a, a vintage like <laughs> Nissan Figaro yeah a younger lady put it on because um her MOT her servicing had run out and her parents had bought her a new car so she just mm. put it on someone took it wow yeah. that is so crazy there's such a wide variety of things that you wouldn't even 
picture yeah. that someone would be trying to give away. I know, right? Like I, sometimes I look at things and like, what is that? But someone somewhere yeah. knows what it is <laughs> and, yeah. and there's a use for them. We had water valves from railway tracks, really big kind of heavy uh, pieces of metal that looked like kind of big screws, giant screws. And um, uh, an apprenticeship organization took it and made coffee tables out of them. So they put glass on them and like really cool kind of retro stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, I'm just like flabbergasted. I had no idea that, yeah, this Globechain sounds like such an amazing service. So how can people, like, can just anybody go and sign up for it? Yeah, um, definitely. Just go on the website, globechain.com, and um, just sign up. Sign-ups for free, takings for free. You just have to organize your transport. We do offer careers as well in different areas. And um, just really talk about it, especially kind of in the U.S., because, uh, you know, U.S. is a big place, so you need a lot of people talking about it to, to get it moving on that side. But, um, but yeah, looking forward to, like, doing a lot more there and, and globally as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. I am definitely going to start telling people about globe chain because yeah, it's a great way to get rid of things and, you know, pass on things that you just were going to throw away or yeah. burn or, and speak you know. to the companies you work for, right? Like a lot of everyone's yeah. working from home. So company offices might be downsizing, you know, speak to the companies and tell the companies to get on globe chain because they're the ones that have got the stuff that um, is really good condition probably that they're thinking, right, I'm going to spend a couple of million dollars on just waste disposal because they don't have yes. distribution. Yes, exactly. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us, May. And um, let us know again where we can find you, how we can support you and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So you can find us on globechain.com or I'm on LinkedIn and our Twitter's at Globechain or at We Are Globechain and we're on Twitter as well under the same name. So um, reach out um, if you're a nonprofit or a business or even individual, just go and register and um, keep shouting at us going open in our area and we'll, we'll come soon. <laughs> absolutely. I love it so much. And our last question is, what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? Ooh, um, well, we, we joke around. It's like I'm queen of waste. So I don't see, I don't see myself. I just see myself as like, you know what? Somebody in the movement of pushing what's spoke, what should be right in the market. Um, you know, and, and I think being the sustainable brown girl is going to be an advantage because I'm going to really shout about it and make you notice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd say that's what it is. Absolutely. Not going quietly. Yes, yes, you definitely are not. I'm so excited for what you're doing with Globe Chain and how you are changing the world in so many ways and helping to reduce waste from businesses and helping people all over the world find things that they need for free. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again for joining us, May. Thank you. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, 
let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.